You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call. As tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers fall to the Purdue Boilermakers in another blowout in Mackey Arena, 86-75. to This is a game that Indiana trailed by eight at halftime after a nice 7-0 flurry to end the half. Uh, And Purdue just kept Indiana at arm's length the entire second half. They eventually built a 15-16 to point lead before a flurry by Indiana there at the end of the second half, cut it to 11. Uh, But this is a game that didn't really feel uh, that close. And it is another loss for the Hoosiers. It drops the Hoosiers to 6-11 in Big Ten play. Now 13th. In, in the conference, Indiana holds that designation all by itself, 16 and 14 overall. And any possible, conceivable, desperate last gasp that the Hoosiers might have at getting themselves back onto the bubble, minus winning the Big Ten tournament, uh, ended tonight uh, with this loss to the Boilermakers. I am your host, Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, here to break down uh, this loss, another loss for the Hoosiers, uh, here on this episode of the Assembly Call. So thank you for joining us. And we will begin this episode as we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Look, there weren't a lot of moments to get really excited about tonight, but I think it's pretty clear what the single most exciting moment of the night was. And it was the moment in the second half when Indiana actually, for a brief moment, felt like it was competing, felt like it was coming back. And that was at about the 10 and a half minute mark when the Hoosiers cut it to 57-51, that actually happened. Indiana was within six. They had scored a couple of buckets. They were on a bit of a run. And who was it that made the bucket? It was Tim Priller, who hit a nice little turnaround jumper. The possession after really battling inside for a rebound, which Jawan Morgan ended up getting. But that is the banner moment. And you could even take a possession uh, a couple of plays later when Tim Priller executed a beautiful prill and roll set a pick, rolled to the bucket, scored. He actually did that twice. Tim Priller came in, scored six points in the second half and wasn't a sideshow. He was a competent player for Indiana who provided some energy, who provided some effort, and most importantly on a night like tonight, provided some fouls because Thomas Bryant and Deron Davis both fouled out uh, playing only limited minutes. That's what opened the door for Priller to get his time. And frankly, for the second straight game, he sparked Indiana a little bit. And while he's never going to blow you away, uh, and you know this isn't like now Tim Priller should be playing 30 minutes, for a team that has struggled so often this year to find consistency and to find guys who seem to understand their roles and are willing to accept them and play them to the best of their ability, Tim Priller has at least shown that the last couple of games. And so kudos to Tim for getting his minutes, for making the most of them. And again, for that one brief moment in the second half, the Hoosiers had it within six. And it was in large part because Tim Priller came in and gave this team a spark. And so a hat tip to you, Tim Priller, tonight's Hoosier Proud banner moment on a night when there wasn't a whole lot to get excited about. 
All right. Well, tonight's banner moment, as always, brought to us by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Hoosier Proud offers a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. Uh, and right now, we are continuing to co-host the deal with Hoosier Proud. It was originally going to be one week, but we extended it for another week. So if you use the promo code THANKYOU20, you can go to HoosierProud.com and get 20% off anything. So any of their Indiana T-shirts, any of the Assembly Call T-shirts, all the different designs that they have. And if you want to get our sweet Assembly Call zip-up hoodie, uh, with the assembly call logo on it, uh, get that at Who's Your Proud. And in addition to the 20% off, you also get $11 off the zip hoodie. A lot of people have been sending me uh, their pictures wearing their zip hoodie. It's awesome uh, to see. Uh, so go get that uh, before the prices go up, before the promo code goes away. Who'sYourProud.com, promo code thank you 20 uh, I believe we're taking that away this Friday. So only uh, a couple more days left to get that. Alrighty, well, let's make the extra pass, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on tonight's IU loss brought to us by Bracketology.fm. Well, this game does bring us one game closer to the merciful conclusion to this season. So I guess that's the uh, maybe the second positive besides Priller. But I mean, this game was, I mean, same same stuff we've seen. First half was you know just completely careless turnovers. Not not guys. It, just unfathomable decisions and uh, in turnovers that led to I think 14 Purdue uh, points off turnovers in the first half. They had put Purdue on the line a lot, uh, and then in the second half, uh, the defense you know they didn't turn the ball over, but the defense just let Purdue get the ball wherever they wanted. Uh, I think racked up 19 fouls, and uh, and and it was pretty much everything we've come to expect from this team at this point. So uh, certainly the outcome to me was not particularly surprising. The fact that they you know, really bounced back and, and hung around uh, after getting off to a slow start in the game. When I mean, it was six to nothing, it felt like it, you know, could easily get to, you know, 12, 14 to nothing. Uh, and they really battled back there. And then it was just the turnovers came back and they just, you know, pissed away any uh, momentum that they had built up and they never really regained it. I mean, if you look in the second half, it was a, you know, eight point game uh, at the break and, and Purdue outscored or played even with IU during every one but, uh, I think one of the first nine or one of the first 10, uh, you know, stints between substitution and the second half pretty either outscored or IU only outscored pretty once out of those, uh, out of those 10 period, you know, periods of time. So they didn't really grow the lead a great deal, but IU never really chipped away and it never really felt like, uh, IU was going to be able to come back. So it was, uh, you know, kind of what we've, what we've come to expect that the Priller thing was definitely a bright spot. And, uh, you know, I think it, the other thing that, it, you know, IU talks a lot about cutting and moving without the ball. I mean, he got some of those, uh, you know, a couple of those buckets on the, I, I cannot, I will not use the term that you've made up because I don't want to, you know, give validity to it by using it. But what the um, prill and roll, dude, that's no, gold. No, don't, that don't do that. Gold. Don't, don't who's do your proud, who's your proud.com new t-shirt prill and roll. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Why are you trying to take their business down with these ideas? That's terrible. <laughs> Uh, they've been very good to us. They produce fine quality quality items, and then you're you're throwing out these ideas. Come on, um, but no, I think it, you know you just saw he moved without the ball, got open shots, and and they're just possessions where this team just stands around and looks at one another, and then you wonder why they can't get a good look uh, at the basket. Nobody's nobody's moving, and uh, it just a just a frustrating game, but uh, frustrating but not surprising. I guess maybe is the way I'd sum that up. Yeah, I think that's a good way to sum it up. All right, let's go over to Ryan and get his rant brought to us by TheBigLead.com. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't really care anymore. 
I, I just don't. I, I, you know, it's the same issues every time with this team. And it's no matter how much we talk about them, how much we break down individual performance or how much we're happy about, you know, for Tim Priller or something like that, it doesn't change the, the results. And it doesn't change the facts on the ground that this is just not a very good team. Uh, it's, it's, and it has nothing to do with talent. It's execution. It's knowing what to do. It's having a basketball IQ. And I'm just, I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm almost like, I love doing the show. I, I love Indiana basketball and I love coming on here with you guys. And I love talking about the show. I have no energy for this tonight because it's just so deflating and disappointing watching this team. I understand why fans are sick and fans are upset and, and don't even want to be involved. And I, and I totally get it. I mean, right now it's six 15 on the West coast. I haven't eaten dinner. I'm kind of hungry. I'm like halfway leaning towards just putting myself on mute and eating a bowl of cereal while you guys talk. I'll, I'll keep the video feed up. People can watch if they want. But I mean, that's that's like it's at that point where I'm just so exhausted from this. I'm looking for anything else to do than 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 think about this team for another minute. Um, it's just sad because it's it they have not improved at all. The flaws are the same they were three months ago, and the problems are the same they were three months ago. And 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 these guys individually are you know making the same mistakes they did three months ago, and there's no growth, nobody's getting better. And and every time you see a little glimmer of hope, it gets blown up right away, and the team doesn't doesn't know how to play winning basketball it just doesn't that's on the coaches that's on the players that's on everybody involved in the program and it's just it's it's exhausting to watch it really is and it's exhausting to talk about i mean i know we have a very easy job here we talk about what we saw during the game it's easy but it's hard to come on here and not sound like a broken record every single game and and talk about the exact same things over and over again it's the folks if you're listening if you're a fan and you pay attention it is so soul crushing to do this every game after they do this and and especially it, on an empty stomach exactly i'm i'm seriously cons- really contemplating just pouring myself a, a bowl of cereal right now i'm hungry um it's also but, sad that at night you're gonna eat cereal for dinner come on man. i can't leave we're in the middle of a show like you know it's um but no i just uh, it's 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 exhausting and it's tiring and it wears us down and yeah again we have an easy gig we come on we flap we we flip the switch and and we talk about the game and, and we talk about the team and and there are worse jobs in the world but my god is it hard uh some nights and this is another one and and kudos to purdue they played well you know all that stuff um but at the same time indiana just is not a good basketball team no, we're not. You know, frankly, one of the more disappointing elements to me of the second half is that Indiana actually did a pretty good job in the second half of cutting turnovers down because they were up at over 30% in terms of turnover percentage in the first half. They ended the game right around where they ended the first Purdue game, which was at 20.6%. So they only turned it over a small handful of times in the second half. The problem is they just weren't very good, you know, and it's almost like we've been able to kind of blame the turnovers for why Indiana has been bad in large parts of this season. And that has been true, but it's disappointing that they were able to cut down on those in the second half, and it didn't make that big of a difference. Because frankly, you know, from a numbers perspective, there were a few things that were okay for Indiana today. I mean, Indiana grabbed 40% of their misses, a 40% offensive rebounding percentage, which against a team like Purdue, that is one of the best defensive rebounding teams in the country, is really good. Indiana held their own on the defensive glass, as Purdue only got 27.6% of their misses. You know, so there were a few things 
that kind of went Indiana's way. They actually had an assist turnover ratio of one, which I think is the first time in eight or nine games that that hasn't been negative. So a few of those things were okay, but then you look at the free throws, and Indiana goes 13 of 17 from the line, Purdue 28 for 33 from the line, and yet again, probably the biggest issue for Indiana, even worse than the turnovers, is Indiana's just inability to get to the line and how much they fouled. And, you know, if you want to blame that on some officiating and, and some of that and the inability to work the refs, it probably all plays into it. But I think I saw Alex uh, Bozich tweet out in the second half, you know, Indiana has a deficit of 90 in terms of free throws attempted in Big Ten play. You're just not going to win Big Ten games consistently yeah, me, like that. Let me jump in here real quick. And no, don't worry, I'm not going to talk about officiating or fouls or anything. What I'm going to say is it seems like all year – We've had a situation where Indiana has some good numbers in every game. There are a few, there are, there are almost no games this year where Indiana, it's been like the numbers are just awful. And Michigan, I think, is really the only, the, the road game at Michigan is really the only one where all the numbers look bad. And the problem is this team just isn't complete and doesn't play a complete game. So they'll, they'll get great, re, they'll, they'll be a great rebounding team. They'll have a game where they don't turn it over as much. But the team can't play offense. It doesn't have a set offense that 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 it can work, you know, well. It they just play Olay defense, and then when they do gear up and play some defense, and and can hold the other team under like forty five percent from the field, they wind up sending them to the line thirty times. I mean, it's there's always something with this team. They cannot get out of their own way and play forty minutes of solid basketball, and it's so disappointing because again, you see the glimmers like, hey. This team is a great rebounding team. They can hang their hat on that. Well, yeah, but if they hang their hat on that and then they're not playing offense and finishing around the rim, it doesn't matter how many rebounds you get if you can't put the ball in the hoop. Oh, they're shooting really well tonight, but they're letting the other team drive right by them. It doesn't matter how well you shoot if you don't stop them defensively. Oh, they're playing great defense, but they're not on the same page offensively. Doesn't matter. You know, you know I mean, there, there just is no balance and there's no advancement for this team and there's no they just haven't grown up. It's an immature team and they play immature at the wrong times. They play immature top to bottom. It's everybody on the roster. Um, you know, even the guys who play hard. I mean, Josh Newkirk, we've talked about him repeatedly. His effort has been so much better over the last month and a half. He is one of the few guys along with Prillard and I who really played their tails off. I think Thomas Bryant plays hard. He just, it's unfocused energy. And we've talked about that. Um, and it, he allows his motions to get too much of him. But you look at a guy like Josh Newkirk, and and while he's playing hard and he's playing much, much better, he still plays an immature game where he makes stupid passes and dribbles into 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 defenders. And you know, it's just it's it's little stuff that last year's team never did. Never did. And and that's what's so disappointing is that we're, you know, eleven months away from that team finishing its its season. And this is what we've got. And it's a lot of the guys who are on the same team with those guys. And this is what we've got. You're pretty worked up for someone who said he didn't care. I'm starving. <laughs> I'm half delirious at this point. I don't even know what I just said. Yeah, it's like, I mean, but it's, it, we talked about, the, I think this was a couple years ago. We kind of talked about like whack-a-mole basketball where it was, you know, every, you know, you, you plug one hole and another one springs open and then you go and fix that one and you, you just can't, can't keep them all down. And, and you just see, you know, the guys getting in foul trouble. It, it, some of the fouls were just dumb. Um, and, and you, you know, yeah, were there a couple in there that were questionable? Sure. But, uh, in some of those cases, you, you just can't put yourself in a position to, to do those things. And even if, you know, even if Davis didn't think he fouled him on 
you know, the, the shot that he fouled out on, he had wrapped his arm around him right before that. So it's not, it's just, just a poor understanding, I think, of, of what needs to happen. And I think that some of that's, you know, immaturity that, that you mentioned, Ryan. But yeah, it's uh it's you know, whack-a-mole basketball. It just can't too many problems, can't uh can't keep them all down at once. And and to your point, it's games here and there where they show improvement in certain areas, and then it's just something else that uh, crops right back up and uh and beats them down. On the bright side, we did learn one thing that Indiana can count on now. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. Coming up next on the Assembly Call. First, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show that you want to go to. And none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. So for those times when you want to get out of your apartment, not eat cereal for dinner, and go out and do something social, like go to a sporting event or a concert, SeatGeek has come along and they've created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. Maybe tickets to the IU-Ohio State game coming up this weekend, or possibly if you're going to travel to Washington, D.C. for the Big Ten tournament, tickets to that. Let SeatGeek be the first place that you go to look for tickets. It's the first place that I go because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. I just had an assembly call listener this week email me and tell me that they use SeatGeek use the promo code. Everything worked out great. They loved it. Um, so you be that next person. And by the way, when you do use SeatGeek, email me and let me know because I always love hearing that. Um, but even better, our listeners get a $20 rebate off of their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate, do this. Download the SeatGeek app or you can do it on the website. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. All righty. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show tonight. Indiana Falls to the Big Ten champion, Purdue Boilermakers, 86-75. to uh, Yet another blowout loss in Mackey Arena. They all seem to be blowouts in Mackey, whether Indiana's on the winning or losing end. Someday there will be a close game in Mackey Arena, and it will be glorious. Tonight was not that night. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are desperately trying to find new angles to discuss this Indiana basketball team uh, after yet another game where many of the same problems cropped up for Indiana. Uh, But I will say something good that has happened now for Indiana, and this is two games in a row, is Indiana has played well at the end of the first half. Obviously, in the game against Northwestern, the Hoosiers ended it on a 22 to nothing run, which was unbelievable. Devontae Green hits that long three. Well, Indiana did it again today because, you know, if you go back to that first half, Purdue really dominated the middle part of the first half, and they were up 40 to 25, and it looked like they were going to blow it open and lead by maybe 20 at halftime, and that, you know, everybody would just be going through the motions in the second half. To Indiana's credit, they really battled back, and they went on a quick 7-0 run, punctuated by Devontae Green's three-pointer. And so that now makes two games in a row where Devontae Green has hit a huge three-pointer at the end of the first half. So in a season where we haven't been able to count on many good things, we've only kind of been able to count on bad things, at least now we can count on Devontae Green making big shots at the end of the first half. Hey, it's something. Uh, But in all seriousness, Devontae Green, 13 points tonight, uh, only had one assist, but three boards, a couple of steals, a block. You know, he goes out there and he makes plays. Uh, and to me, you know, he had played 25 minutes tonight. Indiana's only guaranteed to have two more games. Who knows how many games they'll have. If I'm coaching this team, Devontae Green is playing 30 minutes every night 
as many games as Indiana has. Robert Johnson can pick up minutes where they where they get them. Same, you know, and Blackman had a decent game tonight, 16 points and five assists. But Devontae Green is a big part of this program's future. No, no he didn't. Blackman did not have a decent game. We'll talk about that, but let's not get carried away on Black. Okay, well, yes. All right, decent. But maybe it wasn't. It certainly wasn't decent defensively. Somebody um, order this guy some food, for God's sake, before he murders someone. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> but, you guys have no idea. Okay, I'm but, so on edge. But point being, point being, get Devontae Green some minutes. Because, again, there's not a lot going right right now for Indiana, but this guy's going to be a big part of the future. And I thought in a really tough spot, a tough environment for a freshman who's never played at Mackey before, he – he showed some metal. He showed that he was ready for the moment, whereas guys like Deron Davis, Curtis Jones really didn't. You know, Devontae showed you some of that attitude that we thought we were getting from him, uh, and it's a good one. So, again, not a lot of positives tonight. I thought he was one of them. Um, Andy, let's go to you while Ryan continues to seethe down there in the corner. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I agree on, on Devontae. I, he, he needs to play more. He deserves to play more. Uh, and, and he, you know, like you said, is making plays, and he's – actually, you know, focused defensively, which is more than you can say for uh, virtually anybody on this team. I mean, he he played Matthias quite a bit in the second half. And while, you know, Purdue was busy dumping the ball into Swanigan and parading to the free throw line, uh, Matthias did only have two points after he, you know, torched anybody that IU tried to put on him in the first. So, um, yeah, I, I think he continues to play well. And I think, um, I think in some ways his improved play of late and what you kind of see of him now, uh, almost shines a light on how much Curtis Jones seems to be struggling and, and almost regressing uh, when he's been out there. There was a drive in the first half that was just, I, I think Ryan and I both tweeted out about the same time, just like he had literally had no idea what he was going to do once he got where he was going. And and so I session where he totally just passed up a wide open Thomas Bryant too. And Bryant, yeah. you know, kind of like slumped his shoulders afterward. And I wasn't even, I wasn't even mad at Bryant. It was such a bad yeah, you know, he just, no I mean, but he was one of the ones where, you know, I talk about, you know, possession where he stands around. I mean, he literally stood in the same spot on the wing for 30 seconds of a possession. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, part of it, you know, creates a pretty stark contrast between those two guys. But I, I think Devontae certainly uh, has earned the right to play more. And, and on a team where we have kind of talked about, you know, the bench not being used as motivation and, and guys, you know, getting minutes, whether they deserve it or not. Uh, you know, to me, he definitely deserves it. And I think you saw that in the second half. I think he played 16 minutes to, to nine for Robert Johnson. And uh, and I thought that was warranted with the way that uh, that Robert had played. I mean, as much as I I love the guy, um, he's just really struggling right now, and and seemed, you know, as you said, uh, you know, on Twitter, just seemed kind of disengaged. And um, you got to give those minutes somewhere. I, I think Newkirk continues to to show some positive things, and uh, was one of a few guys that I thought played really well, particularly at the beginning. Kind of disappeared uh, a little bit before he got a, a basket late. Um, but but I think. You know, I, I, I'm at a point now where this season, this season is, is gone. Let's let him get some experience. Um, let's truly see what we've got with with Devante and uh, and just roll him out there for 30 plus a game. You know, sometimes plus minus is a very incomplete stat, but other times you can look at it and it matches the eye test and it, it seems to tell a pretty good story. Tonight, Robert was minus 18, at least according to the box score I'm looking at, and Devante was plus 11. Uh, and I would say, you know, I don't know if Devonte was good enough to be plus 11, but a 27 point swing between those two guys, given kind of the effort and level of engagement we saw makes sense based on what I saw watching the game. Yeah. The one I'm looking at has Jensen at minus 20. So even, even worse well, than that. 
Um, you know, some other positives tonight. I thought uh, Juwan Morgan, you know, he did some great work on the offensive glass, and I thought he was going to have to scrap around and do a lot of Juwan Morgan things to keep Indiana hanging around. To his credit, he did. You know, he played 32 minutes, seven points, 11 boards, had a couple of steals, a block. Uh, his shot selection at times was absolutely atrocious, um, and he really got – I mean, look, he's not the 50% three-point shooter that we saw in a very small sample size last year. His shooting, you know, has clearly regressed, uh, or just the sample size has played itself out. He has got to be, he's got to stay inside, do his work inside. But I thought, you know, he's a guy who played his role well. Um, you know, Josh Newkirk, Ryan mentioned him, 13 points, five rebounds, three assists. I thought when Indiana's offense was playing okay in the first half, you know, Josh was doing an effective job of leading Indiana out in transition. He made a transition three, had a couple of nice buckets there. Um, beyond that, not a whole lot of good uh, for Indiana. Obviously, when you lose by 11, uh, that's about what you would think. Um, Ryan, I do want to let you come back in here uh, and provide some commentary on James Blackman Jr. Uh, before I ask what I think is a very pertinent question on a night like tonight. Uh, but first, your thoughts. Uh, look, James hit some shots. He was aggressive at times on offense, but too often he's what basketball uh, junkies would call a ball stopper. They'll be reversing the ball and it gets to James and it stops because he tries to do, you know, either he shoots the ball or he tries to do a one-on-one -on -one move to go to the hoop. And that's not team basketball. It's not team offense. You move the basketball. If you don't have a wide open drive, there's no reason for you to go one-on-one -on -one unless there's eight seconds left in the shot clock or fewer. Um, he's a ball stopper. He's a guy. He I mean, it's like a, a perfect example of that. Is a guy like Carmelo Anthony in the NBA. The ball comes around to him on offense, and it's not going anywhere. Uh, you know, he might throw it to somebody with two seconds left in the shot clock to sort of bail himself out if he can't get anything. Um, but that's what it is, and and he's just a ball stopper, and it, it ruins the offense. It ruins the offensive flow whenever it's going. Things are going well. He ruins it, and and you know he'll make some big shots for you. And at times when he's hot, he can carry the team. But it's those times are so rare. And then defensively, he's just he's a swinging gate defensively. I mean, Matthias just abused him in the first. I couldn't believe that he was still out there after a few of those Matthias plays. I mean, look. Uh, Matthias had, I think it was like 17 in the first half and only had two in the second half. But, you know, Robert Johnson and Josh Newkirk deserve blame as well because they spent some time on him and he just destroyed Indiana. But Blackman, I mean, he just, he, it's almost like he doesn't have the instincts to play defense at all. Uh, he didn't know, it was, and it was almost like he didn't know that Matthias was a knockdown jump shooter uh, because he just let him get open time and again. And the guy was, you know, just destroyed him. So I, it's just... It's the same stuff with James. Yeah, he's so talented offensively when he wants to be, but he doesn't play within the team concept. And then defensively, he doesn't offer you anything. So yeah, he scored 16 points, hit two threes, was five of nine from the field above 50%. But how many points did he give up? And how many times did he prevent Indiana from scoring? So I, I just, yeah, I, I'm. that's why I said, you know, it wasn't a good night from James, even though he was our leading scorer and added five assists. There was just so much he did that was poor that I just think that he's he's an over, it was an overall negative for him. Yeah, I mean, he does defend a lot of times like a guy who has spent his entire basketball career believing he can give you two and he'll go get three. And that's kind of the mentality that he defends with a lot of times. So let me ask you guys a question because, 
you know, we've spent a lot of this season hearing Tom Crean talk about the lack of leadership. Obviously, we know the injuries that Indiana has had, the depth issues that that has has, has brought to the forefront. Wait a minute, the what, are, what are these injuries you speak of? Yeah, I, that feels like an underreported storyline. Uh, it was, it was actually kind of more, funny. On the, let's on talk more about that. On, on the pregame, Fish asked uh, Crean about Purdue, and the very first thing he said was, well, you know, they haven't had a guy miss any time with injuries, so good for them for that. It was like... It's like, okay, I mean, that's that's fine, but whatever, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but the leadership issue, right? And I think in a lot of ways, the leadership comes down to understanding what the coach wants and going out there and executing what the coach wants and simply leading by example by doing your best every play and playing with effort and playing with attention and being engaged in the game constantly. And so, you know, you see these last two games from Tim Priller, him coming in and kind of doing that. Now, look, Tom Crean has been coaching basketball for a long time, and he is not actively out there putting lineups that he believes are going to put the team in a bad position to win. Now, you can argue with whether his decisions are right, but he's making decisions that he thinks are the right one. And so I have to assume that maybe Priller has played better in the Northwestern game and in the Purdue game than perhaps he has shown in practice. Because if not, it would seem like, and I mentioned this on the show maybe five, six weeks ago, you know, this is a junior, he's on scholarship. At what point is it fair to expect him to be able to play four or five minutes in a game where guys get in foul trouble? And we've seen that happen, but we haven't seen him play. And if he's a guy who's going to come in, set screens, you know, can do some little pick and roll stuff, get you some rebounds, give you some fouls, why has it taken this long for him to play? And I can only think of one of two reasons. You know, one is that it's just been a complete misjudgment of his ability and he hasn't been given a chance that he's earned or he hasn't really shown this in practice because I would have to think, again, given the leadership issues, given some of the size and foul issues this team has had, there have been other opportunities for him to play. And so, again, is it totally ridiculous that we're talking about Tim Priller after the IU-Purdue game late in February? Yes, but this is where we are. But I think it gets to the heart of, has there been even more opportunity to hold guys accountable because you have some guys on the bench who will at least come in and fulfill their role, even if they're not very good players, even if they're not going to blow you away and you may not be able to win Big Ten championships with them. Maybe if a message was sent in mid-January, you'd be better off than you are right now. Is that is that a fair point or am I just trying to make up interesting things to talk about late in February after another loss i gotta admit i kind of tuned it out i'm really guys i'm, I'm like i'm, I'm I, like I'm, Dude, no, go get your cereal I'm man kidding, i'm kidding <laughs> no i think um I, I don't know i just i don't even know what what to do about this team I, I legitimately don't i don't know what's gonna help things what would change things i mean you know should they play perler more in the finale should they do that i mean it's it's you know if you could actually get the guys who are talented enough to win games uh, to actually, okay, but that's the question. Then, then maybe you hold them accountable, or like, could something else have been done? And we're not back there. I know we don't know the full context, so it's kind of an impossible question. But I just wonder if we waited too long to play some of these guys, or send messages with the bench, or messages through the media. I, I mean, I don't know. You know, maybe, but I, I mean, I guess it's, you know, I, I think he has sent messages through the media plenty of times, and and I just don't think it's had. 
the desired effect. And maybe he was thinking that would be more effective than, than the benching. But I mean, at times, you know, when he would bench guys and run other guys out there, the other guys would start making the exact same mistakes. I mean, it wasn't, you know, there wasn't really that, you know, Devonte green had a stretch where he played terrible this year, you know, and he was kind of the guy they were sending a message to, to Johnson and Blackman with. So, I mean, okay, well, if he isn't doing anything, you don't, you're not going to lose the game just to make a point. Um, you know, maybe you should, but but I'm I don't saying, coach who would have. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's get him back. He's, uh, he's busy tonight watching his friend. Um, no, I, I. But I mean, that's the thing. Is that like you know, what do you do in that situation as a head coach? I mean, what do you do? I'm not a head coach. I don't know. And and there's a reason I didn't become a basketball coach because then I'd have to decide on things like that. But at the same time you know, it's your job to get that team ready. It's your job to get those players ready and you're not doing it. Do you, you know, if you're still sending the same guys out there who aren't ready, a, that's your fault for preparation and B it's your fault for keep, for, for keep, you know, sending them out there. I, you're right. I'd start Devonte green the rest of the year. Um, Deron Davis had a really bad game tonight. He had a really bad game. I mean, all around had a bad game. Uh, I would start him against, uh, Ohio state. Um, because at least with him, there's effort. And you know what? He's a freshman. He's allowed to have a bad game every once in a while. Um, but I, yeah, I'd start him. I'd start Devontae Green. Uh, I'd leave Robert Johnson on the bench because I think he's providing nothing right now. Um, and, and I'd, you know, probably throw hey, in... Freddie McSwain, eight points, four boards again. I, yeah, I, I, I guess it would be between McSwain and Morgan for me for that other... Uh, for that wing-ish spot. Um, I think you have to start Bryant because, you know, you have to start Bryant. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you don't start him. So it would be a weird lineup, but that's what I would go with. I'd go with those guys who, yeah, are showing effort. I mean, you have nothing to lose now. Uh, you probably have to make a run in the Big Ten tournament if you even want to get in the NIT at this point. Um, you know, so maybe you send your message on the road against Ohio State. I don't know. Go ahead, Andy. I, it I don't know. It's a, it's an odd one to me. I mean, I, th there were times certainly that we've talked about, you know, if not now, then when, you know, with Priller in some of the situations this team was in. And I, you know, I, you know, we just quite honestly haven't seen enough of him on the floor to have any kind of idea of, of whether he can really play for any period of time. Um, but like I said earlier, I mean, the, the part that you like is a guy who clearly has a role, is willing to play it, moves without the ball, you know, sets a bunch of screens that nobody runs off of, but sets a bunch of screens. So that's cool. You know, maybe um, him setting those will force somebody to actually cut and be like, well, I feel bad. Tim's just kind of standing there. Maybe yeah, I this guy's, cut. this guy's milling around. Maybe I should do something. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I tend not to read too much into it. I feel like it's an easy thing. Cause we're, we're in some ways trying to find new stuff to talk about that. We haven't beaten into the ground over the course of the season. I, I would like to think that, you know, Crean has certainly played, played guys who don't seem like they would, you know, fit into a game situation before and hasn't been afraid to do that. You think back to like Ryan Burton and, and Harrison Ego, um, you know, at times last year to give him a spark. So I, I guess I tend to say if he thought he could do something that, that he would have, and perhaps we've just reached a point of desperation where it's, I don't really know what else to do. And, and yeah, it's kind of worked out whether that's sustainable or not. Um, quite honestly, there's not enough games left in the season to figure that out. But, um, you, you know, I think in general, there have been missed opportunities to really use the bench to motivate guys, but you know, you can come out in the media and blast people all you want about not being leaders. And then to go roll Blackman out to start the next game again, 
I'm, I'm not really sure what is, is, you know, those words ring kind of hollow at that point from my perspective of you've got a guy who clearly doesn't apply himself uh, on the defensive end, whether that's inability in attention to the scouting report, as Ryan said, with, you know, Matthias, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I, I just think that, you know, actions speak louder than words. And it's easy to sit there and, and kind of throw these guys under the bus. And while I did bench Johnson there uh, and, and, you know, kind of benched him at times tonight, I, I guess I'm not sure who the, you know, the biggest culprit is of that to really say, hey, we're going to we're going to do this. And if you bench guys who weren't playing well, I'm not sure that this team would be able to field five players uh, that are uh, that we could put out there. I mean, struggled to come up with a what we would think is a good starting lineup against Ohio State, which uh, is probably about as telling as it gets. Yeah. You know, and Morgan, how many games in a row is that for him coming off the bench? I feel like he's played better in the games that he's come off the bench. Yeah, I don't I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's at least his... the last couple. And maybe it's more a function of him getting healthy than coming off the bench. He, he looks more, more he, he looks more like the guy, you know, that we that we thought he was going to be this season that we saw. Yeah, he started the, he started the second half tonight too. And and um I think that was an indication that, you know, he clearly deserves to be starting and, and he's back to being healthy. I don't know if they're still monitoring his minutes or not, but um he he looked like I mean he played thirty two tonight. So I, I think that he's probably off that restriction. Yeah, he's he's come off the bench the last four. Last game he started was the home game against Michigan, but he came off the bench against Minnesota, Iowa, uh, Northwestern, and uh, Purdue. All right, well, coming up on the assembly call, we desperately search for a storyline that we haven't beaten into the ground already. Stay with us, see if we are successful. First, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you why you should activate your free assembly call membership. There are three quick reasons. Number one, it's quick and easy. So go to assemblycall.com slash join. It takes you literally 15 seconds. Number two, and most importantly, it's how you get our best content. So by joining, you'll receive our weekly six-banner Saturday IU Hoops news roundups, which have value during the season, but are even more valuable in the offseason. So you don't have to try and keep tabs on everything that's going on. You get a nice, neat weekly digest in your inbox to keep you up to date. You also get our detailed post-game analysis emails, which we'll be sending out tomorrow morning after this game. Uh, and third, it's how you connect with us in the Assembly Call community. So only members get access to our moderated post-game live chat, as well as our discussion forum. So if you like what you hear on the assembly call, then being a member is the next logical step. Join us for free at assemblycall.com slash join. You are listening to the assembly call IU postgame show. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's 86 to 75 loss to the Purdue Boilermakers tonight. The loss drops Indiana to six and 11. The Hoosiers are now in 13th place. Um, guys, I will uh, hearken back to the preseason. I don't believe I don't remember if it was on our show or if it was on podcast on the brink and we were doing preseason predictions. And I believe I said that Indiana's late season schedule was going and the team's youth and inexperience would cause a late season slide and the team would play poorly in February before rebounding to win the Big Ten tournament. That prediction was met with much derision and much laughter. All I have to say is right now with the way things are looking, there's a chance that it could come true. So as we look again for positives. Maybe nothing. I mean, no, if that's what you're going for a positive, I, I don't, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, like, are we just, you know, I mean, we're just grasping at straws at this point. We really are. So, I mean, it's, it's almost worth like just starting to go ahead and look towards the off season. Like, well, I mean, that, that's actually, okay. So that is really where I was going to go. And it's interesting because, you know, Tom Crean was asked something about the future. And he said, I saw a couple of tweets about this. Uh, Andrew Hussey says, I don't coach for the future. I coach for the present. 
And of course he does, as he should. I mean, he's got a coach to win the next game. I'm sure in his mind, I'm sure in the players' minds, they've got a chance to go win the Big Ten tournament. And in a Big Ten that is, you know, not as good as normal, if a team's ever going to come from 13th place to win it, maybe this is the year. Uh, not that any of us have any faith in Indiana in the Big Ten tournament anyway. But, I mean, let's look toward the future. Because what what have we learned in these past few games? Like someone asked me in the Q&A that we did uh, earlier this week, what's your starting five for next year? And it's it's kind of hard to figure. Number one, you don't know who's coming back, you know, and number two, you know, you look at a guy like Curtis Jones, who you think should be able to take on more of a role as a sophomore. I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen a guy regress more from his first game to where he is now, where he almost has no business being on the court right now, just has no confidence, no real almost has no business being on the court. I mean, try, I mean, I'm trying to be charitable, but yeah, no, he, you're right. He looks lost. He, I mean, he's nothing but a guy who moves the ball from one place to the next. And sometimes he doesn't even do that. So I, he just, you're right. He looks lost out there. He has no self-confidence. I mean, that's the real issue. You can see it in his jump shot. Um, I mentioned when, when Indiana, you know, we did our recruiting uh, podcast about that in the offseason was that his you know, on his three-point shot his feet are really close together and that's a really weak position you're not I mean if you're anywhere uh, try putting your feet together and jumping and then put your feet shoulder width apart and jump uh, you'll see why there's a problem uh, with that and that's a simple thing that should have been corrected you know in the offseason program should have been corrected months ago um, but you watch him pull up for a three or you watch him, you know, in rhythm, try and get it. And he puts his feet almost right next to each other when he jumps for a shot. You know, that's little stuff. And I know that seems like a really technical detail, but that's day one stuff for basketball. And it's amazing to me that he's still doing stuff like that. And then when he gets the ball on offense, he just has no idea what he's doing tonight. He drove into, uh, you know, the a crowd of Purdue defenders jumped and threw it backwards through the middle and there was just nobody there. He didn't have any plan. And it's, I mean, you're talking about, I know, and you're talking about like, you know, him regressing and, and what to expect from him. But I mean, I mean, that's basic basketball stuff that by the end of his freshman year, a guy who's played a decent amount of minutes should not be doing. By the way, there's a hashtag going on right now on Twitter. Hashtag still no cereal. Yeah, I started so, that. Get, get, <laughs> get, the, get this man some cereal. Uh, Andy, I mean, you know, as you look forward, because I know Tom Crean's not coaching for the future, but again, outside of hoping for NIT seating, there's not much for us as fans. And a lot of it's going to depend, of course, on who's the coach next year. So that could change a ton and who comes back and all of that. So it's wild, rampant, meaningless speculation, but it's all we've got. I mean, who has stood out to you from a good or bad perspective in terms of, you know, what they can bring next year? Yeah, I mean, I'm not one who has a great handle on the uh, incoming recruits, so if I tried to offer any kind of starting five, it probably wouldn't include those just out of sheer ignorance. So I don't think, I don't, well, just to let you know, I, you know, like Justin Smith is a talented guy, but I don't think anyone expects these recruits to be starters. Like, they're yeah. guys with yeah. talent, like, but it's going to yeah. take them some time to develop. Yeah, Smith yeah. looks like a guy who can come in and contribute next year, but he won't be a starter. I, I yeah. think that's, he's. And, he, I really like his game, but he's not a starter. And Durham and Moore, more kind of long-term, more probably with the most upside. He's a really interesting prospect, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know the, you know, the basics about the guys, but not uh, not, not enough to, to offer any firm opinion on them. I mean, I think, it, to me, um, if you make the assumption that Blackman, Bryant, and Ananobi are gone, and Jared, I saw you did that in answering that question, just because that's kind of the what we entered the season with. I don't think we know enough one way or the other at this point. I mean, I think you've certainly seen... Uh, enough from Deron Davis that he would be a starter. I think you've seen enough from Devontae Green that he would be 
think Newkirk has played well enough late in the season that you'd put him in that category and, and probably Juwan Morgan, Robert Johnson, I, I would guess. I mean, you, that, that almost doesn't leave, uh, you know, very many other other players, quite quite frankly, if, if those other guys leave. I mean, that would really leave, um, you know, Priller, McSwain, um, Galon and and Jones on the on the bench. So I, I certainly think if you're yeah, McRoberts, yeah. So if you're picking, you know, of the guys that are there, that's probably what I would do. I think the the guys that you maybe it's just the 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 youthful component of it, but I think, you know, everybody feels despite how he played tonight, you know, good about Devontae Green and what he can become uh over the course of his time at IU. And I think uh, you know, Green we touched on quite a bit earlier and and you know, Newkirk has has improved quite a bit and and Morgan has as well. I think the struggle is that when you look at, you know, most uh, teams that that end up being really successful. There's kind of that one go-to guy, and I I don't know that any of those guys, uh, to me, based on what we've seen from them this year, stands out. Uh, you know, to to be able to uh, you know play that role. Davis has you know been fed the ball in spurts during some games, but you know again late in the game, you need a guy to go get you a bucket. I don't know that um, that any of those five kind of fall in that category, which. Uh, quite frankly, regardless of who's coaching, it is probably a concern just from a, a, a personnel standpoint if things really play out how they do. So um, I suppose all that to say uh, that did very little to probably make people more excited about next season. Um, but I think there's some solid pieces there. I just don't think there's the, the kind of high-end um, talent that you really need to compete at the level that that we, um, you know, when we talked on the radio show about what expectations are, I just don't know that the talent is there to compete at that level uh, based on, um, you know, based on what's there. No, it doesn't feel like it. And the thing with Tom Crean teams, I mean, his teams that have been successful have had high level talent. You know, they've had a really good McDonald's All-American leading them. Cody Zeller, Yogi Ferrell, guys who went on to play in the NBA. I mean, last year's team had Yogi and Troy, obviously, who have played in the NBA this year. Zeisloft, who's in the D-League, we know how much talent was on that 2013 team. And that's what really scares you about next year. I mean, you know, Ryan, you've obviously gone on the record and said that Indiana needs to move on from Tom Crean. I've done the same thing, you know, saying that it just doesn't feel like the trajectory is pointed up anymore. And it feels like a new voice is is just good. And it's probably best for both parties. And I think most Indiana fans are ready to see what's behind door number two, even with the knowledge that it could be worse than what we have right now. I mean, we don't really know. But let's say that Fred Glass makes the decision to bring him back. How do you sell that? You know, given what we saw him do with this, what we've seen him do with this personnel this year, and with our understanding of the kind of roster construction he's needed to have a good season, I mean, barring some surprise recruit or transfer or something, it's just not in the cards for next year. Yeah, no, I don't think he can sell it. Uh, it's going to have to be the greatest sell job in the history of college athletics at this point, honestly, uh, because uh, from what I understand, boosters, uh, longtime donors, people who are, um, you know, whose pride in Indiana is steeped in the basketball tradition are walking out are, are very much like, you know what, we're done with this. We're done with the up and down. We're done with the lack of consistency and we're done with, you know, the uncertainty really, I guess, is the thing. And, and it looked like things had solidified after last year. It really did. And, and, and the, the, the talent coming back this year, I mean, I think from a pure talent standpoint, this is a better team than last year. Um, it's just missing so many of the elements that made last year's team not only good, but a next level team that could get things done and, and that could persevere through adversity. This team wilts in the face of adversity. And, you know, teams take on the the 
um, you know, personality of their coaches and teams also take, uh, take on the personality of their leaders. And quite frankly, this team doesn't have a personality because it doesn't have any leaders. And, and so you're, you, there's nothing to fall back on when things go poorly. Last year, this team had Yogi Ferrell. It had Max Bielfeld. It had Nick Zeisloft. It had Colin Hartman. It had guys you could fall Troy. back on. And Troy as well, yeah. Um, I was thinking more of the seniors, but yeah, I mean, Hartman was a junior and so was Troy. And, and you know, those were guys they could always fall back on, always lean on when things were going poorly and, and have confidence that something positive would happen. Uh, who, who's that guy this year? They're just It doesn't exist. And and so I, I don't think that's excusable. I, I don't, especially considering that's happened before. Uh, you know, this isn't this isn't a unique season. If you look at two years ago, you look at three years ago, that's the same thing that happened. And and so it's not excusable when that happens. One season like this, fine, understandable, reload next year, whatever. But this is three and four years. And 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 last no matter how great last season was. It does not overshadow what's going on this year and how poor things are and how selfish this team is and how much of a team it, they're disconnected. It's not a team. And and so I don't think Fred Glass can sell it. If he does, he's going to face uh, probably a ma- mass exodus of money into the program. And you know what? I know money isn't everything when it comes to college athletics, uh, but it has a lot to do with things. And and it's the reason a lot of things get done. And, and it, it's not... I don't think I don't think he can justify this to the fans to can have it continue going because as we've talked about before, one his his only real other option other than firing Crean and letting him go or working out a buyout or something is to extend him because you can't have him not have a four year contract. It, yep. it kills recruiting when you do that. So um, his his choices are really either to extend or let him go. And I don't think there's no way you can justify an extension. And, and so I think that leaves you with one conclusion: and that's that it's time to end this this uh, test yeah, and someone asked in the chat about Jordan Tucker who was a recruit that it seemed like might be leaning toward Indiana it was down between Indiana and Villanova and that has obviously cooled off and he was heavily I, leaning towards it I mean I, I don't from what I understand he was going to Indiana and, yeah and now and, it's and, up in the air well and, I, and and none of us have any inside information on that but it, it really only takes common sense I mean the way that the team has collapsed the questions around Tom Green's you know, job security. And now he's, you know, wants to take a trip to Oregon and all of this. So I I think, you know, you can kind of just read between the lines there and and see what's going on. I mean, Andy, I'd be curious to get your thoughts uh, on that. I mean, how would you sell that next year? You haven't perhaps been as outspoken about the future as Ryan and I have been, but you know, what do you think? I I mean, I I honestly don't know how you could. I just think, and we've talked about this, I don't think on any of the shows, um, but either kind of when we wrapped up or through text at other times this year, I mean, I, I don't know what, what about next year says that, that things are going to turn around your, your argument becomes, I'm going to, you know, people are going to be gone and the people who are gone were the reason that things went awry. Um, to me is really the only argument that you could make depending on, you know, what the, you know, who stays, who goes. Um, and, and I'm not sure that that's, I'm not sure that I would agree with that in every case. Um, and, and so I think that that ends up being what you're selling people on. Cause otherwise, I mean, when you look individually at development over the course of the season, um, you know, again, we kind of talked about it today. There have been flashes from guys, but there are very few that you would kind of hold up and say, look where this guy is now, um, from where he was at the beginning of the season. I mean, maybe that list consists of, of Newkirk, certainly how he's turned things around Devonte green, uh, Deron Davis and and I think McSwain has been able to play some good minutes, but all those guys probably 
you know, maybe with the exception of Deron Davis, started with so little expectation, and even Davis to a certain extent coming in late, being injured. Um, you know, the guys that have improved probably had the furthest to go. Um, so in some ways that that makes a little bit of sense. But um, yeah, there's not a lot you can you can really hang your hat on. And and this year's team uh was people were excited about it because of the star power on it and the future, you know, future pros and things like that. Um so while you can easily say, hey, that didn't work out, maybe we need a team of, you know, that doesn't have that superstars and is more of a team and roles are more clearly defined and things like that. But you got to have um, you got to have some high level uh, talent on there, as you said, and that's when Korean teams have been the best. So I don't see that coming in unless a grad transfer or something like that would would change it. And the scholarship situation um, makes it difficult to really, you know, work something like that out. So I, I think it's a, a a tough sell on a number of levels if, if he were to bring Crean uh, back if he were to bring in somebody else at least you could kind of say hey we've got a new coach here's some you know new new life into the program a new voice um, you're selling that at that point you're not necessarily who knows what the roster would look like at that point but you've got something to hang your head on and I'm not sure uh, that without that that you've got anything really to fall back on Ryan if you were to choose a breakfast cereal that summed up this Indiana season what breakfast cereal would you choose grape nuts <laughs> just I mean, it's like chewing rocks. Like that's that's what this season's been like. It's been it's been even no matter how much milk you put on it, no matter how much you try, it's still like you know a mouthful of gravel. And that's what this season is, right there. And that, that was, question wasn't even set up, folks. We that was you know that. what? That's a good answer. Thank that's you. A, that's a really good answer. Thank you. I'm best you know working off my feet, I guess. But all right. Um, I, I have I have another really tough question for Andy Bottoms. I'm going to pose it to him after the break, and we're going to get to our last call. That's coming up on the assembly call. Uh, and our last call, of course, brought to you by our friends at Yogi's Bar and Grill in Bloomington, where you get 10% off your food during IU basketball games. And there are only a few of them left, folks. So if you're in Bloomington, if you live there, if you're traveling there, and you can't go to a game, well, there are obviously no more home games, uh, then go to Yogi's. Watch the game. Tell them the assembly call sent you. You will get 10% off your food. And then stay around after the game grab a drink and watch and listen to the assembly call because it's playing right there at Yogi's. Uh, and again, 10% off your food. Just tell them that the assembly call uh, sent you. All right, last call coming up. Stick with us. All righty, you are listening to the assembly call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips wrapping up our breakdown uh, of Indiana's 86 to 75 Loss to Purdue. I mean, breakdown. I suppose we spent a good 20, 25 minutes talking about the game, but there's just only so much that we can break down when these games just seem to follow such similar patterns game after game. All right, Andy, I teased a really tough question for you. Uh, here it comes. It's going to have nothing to do with breakfast cereal, so don't worry. But it, I mean, now feel free to chime in on that if you have a good one. Um, but Indiana ends the regular season Saturday at Ohio State. The Indiana-Ohio State rivalry has been, I think, one of the more underrated rivalries in the history of Binghamton basketball. There have been some really big Indiana-Ohio State games. Now, Ryan's looking at me funny. He's obviously the California kid that didn't grow up in the early 90s. The, Bob Knight, the yearly the Bob Knight trophy. That's right. But there have been some really big games. IU Artifacts could, could tell us all about them. However, here's my question to you. Is this the worst Indiana-Ohio State game of all time? Boy, of all time. That's a that's tough to that's tough to say. Uh it certainly it certainly feels like one of the time I mean they're both in what's your wait, you know, I gotta 12th, ask 13th place. 
what's your measuring stick? Just how bad the teams are or like both? how, how bad the teams are, how meaningless the game is. Okay. Like it means absolutely nothing. How, there have been times how, that how unwatchable it's going to be. There no, have been not, times not when one, one team's been Well, you better really get excited because yeah. I think they're on a collision course to probably play again in the Big Ten tournament. Oh, good. <laughs> and we're the 80 minutes. Now. 80 minutes of IU Ohio State. That might that may not be true actually, but I, I don't know because yeah, Ohio State's six and ten. They're losing at Penn State at the moment, so uh, who knows? So uh, you know, save up your enjoyment. I don't know. It's got to be pretty close. I mean, even when IU wasn't good when Crean first started, I think that was when Ohio State was still really competitive. So yeah, this is probably you know uh, in terms of where they have uh, you know both fallen in the Big Ten standings. I'd say it's it's got to be right up there. Uh, would be my would be my guess. I'll try to scroll through and see if I can come up with it another time. But this this seems like it would it would certainly be in contention if not the leader for a uh, worst game at least in the in the last you know ten to twenty years. Hey, someone tell our producer uh, we need to really make note of this serial topic for bad games because that's really gotten people going in the chat. You know, next time we have just painful losses like this, we got to bring up cereal again because it, it really gets the conversation going. Hey, I'm not here to waste so. anybody's time, man. I bring up stuff. That, <laughs> I I bring up stuff that people are talking about. That the it's it's really out there. You guys got to really lock in with the with the average people out there. You're in your ivory tower, <laughs> and I'm sitting here down in in the trenches working to to make this show better. Uh, also, can we, can we get can we get live Periscope of you eating cereal after the show? At oh some point, God. sure, why not? We'll just we'll just throw up a YouTube video after the Big Ten tournament. We inevitably have a soul crushing loss. I'll just sit here and eat, you know, spoon some cereal. We're about cereal. Um, I was gonna say we should actually start the Titus Trophy for the for the <laughs> for the Indiana Ohio State series and send the winning team a trophy if they win and see if Mark is on board with it because it's the That's... battle for his soul every year. That's so a good point. By the way, he he is going to be unable to join us on the post game show. But I did put in a request to see if he'll come on the radio show with us. So we can't yeah. promise anything. He hasn't even responded yet. Um, but if he's there, hopefully he can join us for the radio if, show. If he, chance, he will have great insight on that game and just this season. So uh, if, if you have a chance, go on to the Ringer and read his article about how bad the Big Ten is this year. It'll make you feel better about the fact that Purdue is good because uh, he as I did during the game, dropped some some knowledge on how awful Matt Painter is in the postseason. So uh, you can feel a little better about that, at least. I mean, if, hey, it's, you can't feel better about the our season. You might as well, you know, feel better about theirs. That's right. All right, gentlemen, let's go to our Yogi's last call. Uh, Andy, you can bat lead off. Give us something profound here. Uh, I mean... I, I don't think I don't think there's much left to say that we haven't said already. Like I said, I think maybe my biggest takeaway is that it's just one game closer to the end because I'm I'm a lot like Ryan in the sense that, um, you know, just it, it's it's difficult to watch and to get excited about a team that even when things are going well, you're just waiting for the same mistakes to uh, to creep up again. So, we'll uh, you know certainly you know be here. After the Ohio State game, and see what happens. A couple teams, you know, flailing uh, wildly against one another to try to get a win, and and IU a chance to get their second road win of the season. But I mean, at a point when you're, you know, you're two and eight in the last ten games, and the two wins are a triple overtime win over Penn State and a one point victory that you know kind of came from nowhere against Northwestern. Uh, it, you know, it, this team is a few possessions away from maybe having a, a better record, but they're also a few possessions away from being. Uh, you know, three and fourteen at this point in the Big Ten. So uh, there, there's very little good to say. And your attempt to look forward to next year did not make me feel any better about the future either. So thanks for that. Sorry. 
so right now in the chat, let's see. We've got, uh, in terms of serial comparisons, we've got all brand is as bad as the substitution patterns. Uh, this, this season is like eating a knockoff brand of Lucky Charms. Tastes bad when expecting sweetness. All good options. Hey, tweet us what breakfast cereal sums up this IU season. Uh, tweet it to at assembly call, uh, and the winner will get, um, I don't know, something. We'll send them a coaster. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or a box of cereal. Their favorite cereal. Yeah, box your favorite cereal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because last year was like Cinnamon Toast Crunch, like the greatest thing ever. And this year, Grape Nuts, I'm saying. And I, I, I do say, I think that's my best take of the entire season because it really works on a number of levels. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just the season's the season. I mean, it's 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 the same thing every week. It's it's why we get off on topics like serial selection uh, because it's just it's exhausting. It is like I have been ready for this season to be over for three weeks, and I love college basketball and I love Indiana basketball, and I've been ready for this to be over and for a new regime and for everything else to be in here to be different. And, and it's just exhausting. It's tiring. And I get it. Fans out there are tuning out. And, and I understand, um, you know, I feel bad for the players because they're doing you know, they're trying. They're just it's not getting done and it's not working. and It's not uh, advancing. And, and it's sad to see because this is a talented group that just could not get it together. By the way, I've seen the live viewership numbers go up since we started talking about cereal. Uh, Megan might win when she said uh, when you don't let the Captain Crunch soak up quite enough milk and it shreds your mouth. That's, that's true. That, that yeah. sums up the season. So we'll see. So keep sending us your serial takes because that's where we are here in the 2016-17 Indiana basketball season as the Hoosiers wallow uh, in the misery of a 16-14 and 14 record, 6-11 and 11 in Big Ten play. I mean, it just, you know, at some point you felt like the season would bottom out and, and maybe we would kind of bounce back up a little bit. And it maybe maybe that's what that last gasp win against Northwestern was, and that was the last kind of whimper of positivity that we'll have. Um, but we certainly didn't see a whole lot tonight, and there just isn't a whole lot else to say uh, right now about this team, um, other than talking about cereal. So that's really all we've got. We appreciate you all being here on this episode of the Assembly Call. Obviously, there is one more game in the regular season, and then the Hoosiers will try for a last gasp effort to make some kind of run in the Big Ten tournament. Um, at that point, it could be a Big Ten tournament run simply to get into the NIT, especially if they lose to Ohio State. Obviously, they'll now need to go all the way uh, to actually make it into the NCAA tournament. Um, but those are the stakes now for the rest of the season. They're obviously low. And so while Tom Crean isn't coaching for the future, I think as fans, that is what we'll be watching for. Um, so yeah, join us after the game on Saturday after IU Ohio State. We will be here with another post game show. Um, the games haven't been as fun to watch lately, but doing the post game show always is sharing this time with you all. So we've got at least a couple of them left. Uh, let's make the most of them. So we hope you'll join us either on the post game show live or for the podcast because uh, it's going to be a long off season once the season's over. Um, so as much as we're uh, hoping for that to happen now, we'll miss it uh, when it's here. All right, everybody. That's all we got. We will talk to you Saturday after IU Ohio State. Take care. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, 
a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.